Okay, next up, J.B. Hunt Transport Services, Inc., <laughs> ticker J.B.H.T. Now, I've been familiar with this company for a long time. They're a trucking company, and for a lot of years, basically since the truck was invented, trucks had been gaining share from railroads. But about four years ago, five years ago, probably because fuel costs went up, and also the service levels at railroads finally went up. They figured out how to be nice to a customer and all that. It took them a while. Um, then rail started gaining share uh, from trucks. Well, what J.B. Hunt did a few years ago, and you can really maybe credit them for raising the service bar in the railroad, commercial railroad freight industry, which is they partnered up with Burlington Northern, and shared half the revenue on stuff that Burlington Northern was going to carry on these uh, uh, container-carrying cars from the West Coast, which is where all the stuff comes in, to the rest of the country. J.B. Hunt would um, pick up the goods, bring them to the train. The train would take them to wherever they were going in the rest of the country. And then J.B. Hunt would pick them up at the terminal and deliver them, and they would offer a, a short window to the customer. Railroads traditionally were used to saying, hey, we think that's coming in November. Stay tuned. J.B. Hunt would say, we think it's coming between 2 p.m. and 4 p.m. on Wednesday. So J.B. Hunt married up this um, concern for you know service and short windows of delivery with the low-cost of the railroad transportation, and they've got a wonderful deal on that. And as a result, they probably are among the most profitable trucking companies in the business because of the sweet deal with Burlington. In fact, Burlington hates this deal so much that a few years ago they went to court to try to undo it as unconscionable, and the court said, uh, sorry, buddy, you signed that, and it's going to be in force for a long time. So it's been court-tested, and and they win. They've got, as we know from the screen, they've got high return on assets. So in the low teens, which isn't as high as you can imagine, obviously, but it's pretty high for a transportation company. And then they have, um, you know, return on, on equity in the 20s and 30s with a little bit of uh, debt. They are about 50% debt to capital, uh, most, of, most of which is collateralized with trucks. So it's... Uh, you know it's 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 well covered, and then even on the interest, um, I'm going to do a rough calculation here. Long-term debt is about 700 million. They probably pay five percent. That's 35 million. They've got EBITDA margins of 15, so they might have 700 million in EBITDA, and they might have uh, you know 40, 50 million in interest expense. So very well covered. Um, it's 10 times EBITDA. I'm going to look at that as a 10% cash-on-cash return. I'm going to get growth that I think is GDP-related. Um, but also, they're picking up share because railroads are picking up share. And when you hire these guys, you think you're hiring a railroad for that piece of business that is with Burlington. And I think that might be as much as half of their business now. They also have other business where they're just contracting to do you know, over-the-road trucking for various people. Um, but I think the rail piece is really the core of their, uh, you know, their uh, secret to profitability. Estimates have been coming in just a teeny bit, so that doesn't alarm me too much, and it's just a very solid company. The only negative to me on this one, Mo, is the chart, which 
you probably like. But it's uh, this stock was at twenty dollars four years ago. It's now fifty five dollars. Um, but I would say still very attractively priced. And you got 20, 28 analysts that followed. I didn't think there were 28 firms out there that could afford to pay analysts anymore. But 28 yeah. analysts with got, that have got a target price of 62 bucks. And, you know, here's another observation. You look at free cash flow, and I like to look at this number because it, and I <laughs> ask myself, when you generate a lot of free cash flow, what do you do with it? Well, for companies that don't have a lot of capital infrastructure that they've got to put that free cash flow into, they typically do one of two things. They pay a dividend, yeah. they increase the dividend, or they buy back shares. So if you look at 2008, this was the first year the company had a big windfall, $200 million in in free cash flow. What do they do? They took the share count down from 138 million shares to 129 million shares. Yeah. Then they, they, they had a couple of decent years of free cash flow, nothing crazy, but all of a sudden they're starting to generate a lot of free cash flow again. And what have you seen? You've seen shares go from 129 million in 2009, 128 million in 2010, 122 million in 2011. I don't know where the, uh, where the shares are now, but these guys are on track to generate 180, almost 180 million in cash flow. And uh, so I think the shares continue to come down. That continues to drive um, above a- above average EPS growth better than uh, better than their sales growth. So even if you're just looking at this as a play on the economy, I think you can also look at it as a play where they can they can manufacture some above average earnings growth just by shrinking the share base. Well, the dividend they're they're continuing to raise as well. Mark. Yeah, you've got a, you got a one percent yield on the dividend, and that's been that's been a reasonable increase in dividend. Um, you well, know, it's they, not a yield play at all, but they're showing no. confidence in the cash flow by raising the dividend absolutely, pretty consistently. Absolutely, you look at you know forty, forty four, forty eight, fifty two, fifty seven in each one of the last respective years. So, you, and they've kept that dividend yield as the stock has gone up. They've kept that dividend yield around one percent in each year. I wonder why they threw in the odd dividend. Fifty seven. It's like thirty two, thirty six, forty, forty four, forty eight, fifty two. Fifty-seven. I wonder if there was a change in the board of directors. Yeah, could have been. I mean, that's a prime number. I would go that's look odd. at that. Or I think it? It, you know well, when maybe you, it isn't. when we say that directors are <clears throat> signaling to shareholders uh, what their intents are, what their feelings are through yeah. the dividend. You wonder when it's an odd number. They're feeling euphoric. I wonder just if they're had feeling some train wreck and yeah, want to raise the dividend. I'm just wondering. <clears throat> but you're absolutely right. We can't play the dividend. Guess the dividend on that. But I would can. have gotten that one wrong, Mo. You I have, have to just be honest about an that. Odd number. Another yeah. thing Who to would research. Have thought? Yeah. Okay.